0: Here at Doxadeer Blum, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. If ever there was a book in the New Testament that 21st century Christians can look to, it would be the book of Hebrews. You see, Hebrews was written to urban Christians, people living in cities, much like we do. It was written to a society that was pluralistic in nature. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying that the worship of many things was appropriate and celebrated much like today. But most of all, the book of Hebrews was written to Christians that sometimes doubted, much like me and you. It was written to Christians that were oftentimes persecuted, that were often disappointed, and that wrestled with this question if following Jesus would be worth it in the end. That is what we have been discovering as we look at the book of Hebrews. Now we all get asked this one question somewhere throughout your childhood. And that's the big question of what do you wanna be when you grow up? Now the funny thing about that question is that no one answers that question going, when I grow up, I want to be nothing. I want my life to mean nothing. I want nothing and no one and everything should just be meaningless in the end. No, no one answers like that. We usually go radically to the opposite direction of striving towards perfection. You know, going to the perfect school to get the perfect grades, to get into the perfect varsity or college, to get the perfect degree, to find the perfect job so that you can marry the perfect spouse, buy that perfect house, all the while, while maintaining the perfect body shape or image. Perfection, strangely enough, is something that all of us are drawn to. But the problem with striving towards being perfect, whatever that image may be for you, and you would have discovered this with me somewhere throughout your life. But the problem with striving towards perfection is that it is an incredibly hard and basically impossible goal to get to. Why is that? because you would know it only takes one moment of giving into a bad temper or one moment of giving into a bad decision an unhealthy food choice, you know, or a dysfunctional or a destructive habit. And then when we do that, we feel the full weight of our imperfection suddenly bearing down upon us. And that's what the writer of Hebrews gets to in Hebrews chapter 10, which we are going to be focusing on today. You see, if you've ever felt the pressure of having to be perfect either in life to get ahead or if you've ever felt the pressure on having to be perfect in order to get close to God, well then my friend, you're in good company because welcome to Hebrews. Now, here's the conundrum that every single Jew or Israelite following God in the Old Testament and so many of us struggle with today. And that's the the conundrum of God is perfect and I am not. God is holy and I am not. And what happens when we are so confronted with our own imperfection in front of such a perfect and holy God? Well, firstly, it creates distance, right? I feel far from God. Secondly, it creates hesitance. I feel that I first need to do A, B, and C in order to get close enough to God. We all have this same problem of an imperfect me trying to get to or trying to get close to a perfect God. And that's what the writer in Hebrews writes about in chapter Now, this is quite a lengthy piece of scripture. I'm not gonna read it necessarily, but I would love to even invite you to take a moment, pause the video and go and read this passage for yourself. We're gonna be speaking about verse one up until verse 24. So if you need to pause, do that, take some time, go read it and then we'll go on. You would have noticed that as you read through those opening verses in Hebrews chapter 10, that the writer mentions all the rules, rituals, regulations and kind of religious hoops that people had to jump through in order to get close to God. Why? Because again, it's the problem of an imperfect human trying to live in relationship with a perfect God. In the Old Testament, there were all these hoops, these religious sacrifices, these sin offerings that the priest had to bring in order to make imperfect people holy enough for a moment so that they could get close enough to God. But before we go on, let me ask you this. What are the things that you run to, to touch your, to touch up your appearance before God, what are the religious hoops that you jump to, to make sure that you seem appropriate or perfect enough or holy enough to be able to approach God? Do you try and be the perfect student? Do you try just really hard to be the perfect big Christian always saying and doing the right things? Do you try and be the perfect employee or spouse or parent? or maybe you've given up on trying because you are so devastatingly aware of how imperfect you are and how much you fall short of the glory of God. Now, no matter where you find yourself on that spectrum, whether you're trying really hard to be perfect or whether you've given up completely, again, welcome to Hebrews because that is what He writes about. Hebrews 10 verse 1 and 2 mentions how in the old system, the old covenant, the old Moses way of doing things, uh, they had to do all these sacrifices and sin offerings to be able to get close to God. But in those opening two verses, the writer makes it clear how all those religious hoops, all those sacrifices, all those rituals that they had to go through and the words are this was only a dim preview of the real things to come. You see day after day, month after month, year after year, the high priest would have to go into God's presence on behalf of all the imperfect people. He would repent and perform sin offerings in order to have this perfect God then forgive these imperfect people. But the writer is making it very clear that all of that was to be ultimately replaced by a new system, a much better way of relating to God. Why was that necessary? Because the old covenant way of imperfect people trying to relate to a perfect God was in the end an impossible uphill battle. Why? Because sin offerings would be made and then almost immediately, you can go read it, but almost immediately the people of God would fall back into sin, back into temptation, back into rebellion, thus necessitating a brand new offering. Maybe that's how you feel today. You feel you're constantly saying, sorry, sorry, Jesus. I messed up again. Sorry, God, please forgive me. I did this again. I fell into this again. You keep asking God for forgiveness, but you find yourself almost immediately falling back into that same sin, that same destructive habit, that same dysfunctional relationship. Maybe you find yourself again, just so devastatingly aware of how imperfect you can be in front of a perfect God. But luckily that's where the good news of Jesus comes in because in Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 10, again, go read it for yourself, but you'll notice that the writer suddenly shifts gears. He spends the opening verses writing about all the religious hoops that the people had to jump through for the imperfect man to become close to the perfect God. But then in Hebrews 10 verse 10, he changes gears and he states how God's very plan from the beginning was for that thing in that system to be replaced in totality. And he starts writing about how one perfect priest would come to perform one perfect ultimate sacrifice once and for all, so that anyone who turns to Jesus, not only Jews anymore, not only the Israelites, God's chosen nation and priesthood, But anyone who turns to Jesus under this one ultimate sacrifice performed by the one perfect priest would now suddenly be included. And as we know, all that happened through the life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 11 and 12 states how under the old covenant, daily sacrifices were necessary but in the new covenant brought about through Jesus and the sacrifice of His body on a cross, how that was the ultimate sacrifice. No other sacrifices in terms of sin, shame, guilt, and pain would ever again be necessary. Now, what does that mean for you and me who love and follow Jesus? Firstly, that means that when you know and follow and love Jesus, then you can't be any more or any less holy in front of God. In fact, verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 10 makes this incredible statement that through Jesus, we have been made perfect. That's the perfect tense. It can't be completed to a greater extent. It's already been done to its fullest measure. But there's a second part to that sentence where the writer says we've been made perfect, but we're also being made holy, being made holy. Now, do those two statements then contradict each other? No, not at all. What the writer is getting to in this verse 14 is that when it comes to my identity, When it comes to my positioning, when it comes to my right standing before God, if I know and love and follow Jesus, I have already been made perfect in every sense. But at the same time, he's writing about how my experience of that right standing, how my experience of that relationship will definitely continue to grow season after season after season. Now, maybe just an easier way to illustrate that, I always use the example of myself and my husband. So legally, we're married. We have the documents. I have the ring. We have the photos, all those things. We live in the same house, everything you would expect a married couple to do and to be. But even if we have a week where it's super busy, we don't get a lot of you know personal connection time where we are intentional with spending time together, we aren't any less married at the end of a busy week than what we would have been if it was not a busy week. It can be a horrible week. It can be a week full of misunderstandings and conflicts and living past each other and just not getting enough time to spend together. But at the end of that week, I am not any less his wife. He is not any less my husband. We are still 100% married. And that's what the writer means in verse 14, when he says, we have been made perfect. That simply means that when I have been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can't be unborn again. That's not possible. I can't revert back to a state where I am no longer God's child. But then he concludes that idea with this thought of, but the experience of that relationship will definitely continue to grow. As I am being made holy. So, firstly, this perfect sacrifice by the perfect priest makes me perfect. It means that I am as holy now as I ever will be. I am as accepted now as I ever will be. That means, and this is where this is some extra good news, but that means I am not a working progress. You've probably heard that a lot. Maybe you've said that about yourself sometimes. You go, I'm just a working progress. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And all those things sound so noble, but they're so false. Because if I look at this chapter and this idea on being made perfect, that we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 10, that means that when I know Jesus, the moment I'm born again in the spirit, I am as holy as I ever will. The writer concludes this whole idea of being made perfect in verses 19 to 24 of this chapter, where he goes to an even greater extent in trying to explain if I have been made perfect in Jesus' sight because He is the perfect priest that performed the perfect sacrifice so that this imperfect human can be made perfect again. What does that even mean? Firstly, it means confidence. It means I can come running into God's presence. There's no reason that I will ever be unwelcome in His presence. Secondly, this passage speaks on nearness. It speaks about the fact that I can confidently come. Why? Because there's intimacy now restored between me and my Father. And then thirdly, it means I can come authentically. You'll notice in verses 19 to 24 he writes about how we can come with a sincere a sincere heart that basically means that I can come without pretense whether it's been a good day or a bad day whether it's been a good week or a bad week whether it's been a good month or a bad month there's no reason I can't confidently and with great expectation for intimacy come close to my Father. How is this all possible? Well, as verse 22 puts it, because my guilty conscience has been sprinkled clean. Again, it's that thought of when I know Jesus, when I accept that free gift of salvation through faith, I am as clean as I ever could be. I am as holy as I ever will be. I have been made perfect in His sight. Now to end off with, if I'm already perfect, if I know and love Jesus and I understand this idea of, you know, positionally I've already been made perfect, I am as holy as I ever can be, what then if I mess up again? What if I make a mistake? What if I fall back into some destructive habit or sinful nature, whatever it may be? Well friend, my encouragement to you would simply be that if you find yourself in that space at this moment, you get to choose between trying to relate to God again via the old covenant, You can resort to jumping through religious hoops again, just trying to be better, trying to read more Bible, trying to pray more, trying to be a bigger Christian, trying to be a better person, all the while hoping that God might approve of you again one day, or you can celebrate the new covenant that came with Jesus Christ, His Son. You can revert to the new covenant where you realise that everything that was necessary Everything that that needed to be done for you and me to live a life in close relationship with God again has already been done. That means even if I make a mistake, even if I mess up again, I can come running. Why? Because even if I make a mistake, doesn't change who I am. Even if I make a mistake, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus, the perfect High Priest, performed the perfect sacrifice so that this person, an imperfect human being can be made perfect again in His sight. It's again, just as we've been discovering throughout this entire book of Hebrews, but it's this one reality. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this world, they grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.